Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roster Reconstruction Podcast. I'll also probably have this running on the Round Ball Ramble feed because this draft stuff is general. So welcome to y'all as well. Um, I'm your host, Corbin. For, follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. And we're going to get right to it. It's draft season, uh, you know, Final Four, all of that. March Madness, that's a better way of saying it. It's done. Um, very interesting tournament. I mean, it was kind of exciting, but also kind of just came and went. Uh, but I have the perfect guest to help break this down for me. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Pearlstein Aaron. P-E-A-R-L-S-T-E-I-N-A-A-R-O-N. If you've listened to uh, the Key and Pure AA, Ron, yes. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, analytics master, MBA and, and FIBA agent consultant, uh, works with no trade clause, sports business class alum. Uh, that's what I'm familiar with you from as well. It's, it's Aaron Pearlstein. I've buried the lead too much. Aaron, sir, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good, man. I, 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 you know, I, I love to, you know, talk with SPC guys and I always see your work. I'm excited to, to get into the draft, man. I really appreciate that, man. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm like, it's been almost two years now since SBC, and it's brought me, like, with you and so many other talented folks. And that, So, definitely, I'll make sure to check out Sportsman's Classroom if you're so interested. It's a pretty worthwhile investment. Yes, you are investing. Absolutely. So, check that out. But, yeah, Aaron, I'm excited to talk draft. Let's kind of get into it before we do. Um, You obviously do so much in basketball. I mean, like I guess I see you working no trick clause. I'm a subscriber to your newsletter. Um, Can you kind of describe your basketball journey up to this point? absolutely mm-hmm. yeah you know i think uh just like everyone else at, at sbc that uh i feel like it's more of a you know i like basketball but you know i actually want to make it into something uh you know so you know all those guys that, that make the investment go to the sportsman's classroom you know that's those are my kind of people uh so um you know i think that that kind of encapsulate encapsulates what my history is i'd say you know i went from writing at fan sighted at uh 11 12 years old as, as most people and then you know when i when i got to uh tulane i was a, a manager for the basketball team and tried to just you know absorb everything i could and 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 learn as much as i can i, I was always reading the cba or you know when my friends were playing video games i was watching film it was just you know just how my life worked yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I just started getting in touch with other people, doing a lot of cold in- emailing, and that got me into the kind of the agency space. And, and uh, now I'm doing a master's of uh, analytics, as you said, um, and doing a lot of consulting with agents and client management, scouting reports, analytics, things like that. Um, definitely uh, not the end. It's not the, not the final path, but it's just, you know, as everyone knows, it's just, just a, it's a as part of the of the path and uh you know i'm definitely proud of the work i've done and you know uh, excited to continue it oh absolutely i'm happy to hear that like you said you kind of had this passion which you've described most of us kind of do in some in a certain respect but you worked in accordance with that and that's kind of cool like you said the video game is like hey i'm hammering film you know i'm doing the analytics <laughs> like i'm really doing the legwork and that's the stuff the behind the scenes stuff that like can be a lot but also can be very beneficial and so I'm really, I'm really excited for you, man, always. And um, I, you got to please share us more about AP scouting because I kind of just kind of ran into that a little bit. And I was yeah. like, oh, cool. And you have like, I mean, like G League um, information. It's like a really comprehensive, like snapshot of kind of the inner workings of the league, sort of like every, I want to say every week, every other week. Uh, yeah. Describe a little bit better for you, please. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, so obviously it started with a lot of conversations with agents, just seeing, you know, where does a consulting company really fit in? Uh, and the one thing I found from that was they have no idea what they're talking about in any shape of the word, anything. Uh, they all want short-term profit, uh, you know, and I'm like, you know, I have all this, this knowledge and I could be doing these projects for you, but I really would rather just show you and like, educate in a sense. So uh, I started that weekly newsletter where I show roster, tr roster spots are open, uh, what the G League situation is, uh, what 10 days were signed, uh, what players have declared, um, really any kind of tracking metric that I can, uh, I do, because uh, the big thing is if I could educate them in one specific subject, I'm giving better adequate representation to uh, the players. So um, if I'm able to do that, that's awesome. So that's really where it started. It was kind of just like, all right, I should, uh, I should try and, uh, you know, show them what's actually going on. If they could, you know, understand it better and give a better representation. That's, that's, that's perfect. No, there you go. I like that. That's really cool. And I mean, like I said, I've been on it and you look and you see lots of spaces and recent news. And I'm like, Listen, I, I know these cats be on their grind, man, but like, dang. <laughs> so that's really cool, man. Definitely. We'll share at the end, again, just your Twitter to get people to follow you and your work. But um, a lot going on, really, really like, doing great things, man, and happy again to, you know, know you. And be, uh, be, I'll be like, I'll know this guy, big agent. Be like, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, yep. <laughs> I, talk, I talk draft with him. But speaking of that, um, let's talk some 2023 absolutely. NBA draft. And I, I'm curious, as somebody like, you know, I've just, this is the first, I want to say, in-depth draft kind mm. of cycle that I've been involved in in terms of scouting and notes and everything. I think the good course, one. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I followed, like, <laughs> the last two, but not maybe from before the season like this one. So as someone who's probably followed more, in, in your case, I'm curious, kind of how do you, what do you think about this draft class as a whole, and how do you think it compares to, let's say, last year's or even the year before, mm. um, just in terms of the quality of depth or standouts, however you see fit to compare? Uh, I'd say this one is a pretty unique draft. Um, yeah. You know, we got a lot of guys that really, really could make a quick impact. Um, and mm. it's it's a very deep also. You know, a lot of people like to talk about it kind of being top-heavy, but I really think there are a lot of, lot of guys that are going to stick around in the league in terms of being a role player or um, just kind of a, a, being a middleman um, really deep into even the second round. Um, so. Oh, wow. I think this is this is a really really deep draft. Um, I say last year was like not as deep. Um, you know, we definitely had Paolo, Chet, uh, guys that could really make a difference and really run a team, as we saw Paolo did right away. Um, but you know, this one is. It, it, I just feel like it's it's kind of a microcosm for for the future of the NBA, if that makes sense. It's like. You know, you had all these really, really good players and every year would get better and better. But now we're at the spot where we're getting these 18, 19 year olds that are just so uber athletic and so built for the modern game and not having to change. Like they they grew up grow, going for this modern game that we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just I think it's a it's a very unique draft in that sense because they're just so. Yeah, they're just so ready to com like compete in this specific kind of run and gun, positionless, uh, uber athletic, 
you know, high above the rim uh, basketball. That is cool. I, I definitely like kind of the natural, I, I guess, change that these new prospects make in the league coming in where they come in with these NBA-ready skills and not just we're talking about like, your normal playing basketball, but the shot creation for bigger sizes, right? Yeah. Um, being able to do stuff at, at, at guard levels for your big men or, you know, having different versatility across multiple positions. I think it's really interesting you brought that out. And um, I'm, I'm definitely, I agree with you in terms of the depth. I was surprised going in because at first I'm like, okay, like I'm looking in terms of stars and we'll kind of get into that in a minute here. But I'm like, okay, like this guy, you know, he could be a good, you know, movement shooter, you know, if he slips right. to mid, you know, late lottery, you know, or this guy can really make an impact as like a potential shot creator. Or I was high on Amani Bates for years as far as yeah. a player. And I was a little bit, I don't want to say I was high on him as like, oh, he's going to be the next Kevin Durant or anything like that, which the discourse got way too much. I'm glad I didn't get all that yeah. level just because it's like, I don't know. But like, even with him and everything he's gone through and all the noise, I almost feel like in the opposite direction, maybe for like a certain team is like a spark plug offense energy guy, you know, a few minutes here and there and a lot of work to do. Like he can make impact. So I agree with you on all of that. I think that's really interesting that you still have players that you said will slip, you know, late into the lottery that can still look back and go, wow, like on one hand, how they slip. On the other hand, they're still going to be able to do something here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you see it, you know, teams are, are really making big investments to, to keep late round picks in this draft, you know, accumulate second round picks outside mm -hmm. of like, you know, they're, they're leveraging the future for this specific draft. So, um, you know, I, I think that that speaks a lot to the volume of the, the, the players in this draft. Absolutely. And it's pretty neat. Um, I, and I guess kind of going into the depth of the class in terms of like NBA quality rotation players, but how do, how about the superstar list, right? Like, when you go look at this, obviously, it's two players at the very top. It's Victor Wimbenyama, excuse me, and Scoot Henderson. But do you think there's just a top two class in terms of potential superstars? Or do you see another one, two, even three, somewhere there potentially? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, those are obviously guys that are just so unbelievably talented and, I mean... Unicorn, I don't know if does really justice. Um, <laughs> Alien, I guess, right? Yeah, really. Uh, Scoot, I feel like, is one of the closest to uh, a Derek recruit, like back in, uh, you know, 08. Um, and then, yeah. but I I really kind of strive away from consensus. And I think, uh, you know, my third is very comfortably Cam Whitmore. Um, I, yeah. I like I it. Love, okay. I love his shot creation, and I really think he's just going to come in and be a primary scorer for a team. I think he can score at all three levels, uh, you know, defend, rebound the ball well. Uh, and I, I see superstar potential. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to have to put Ahmed in there. Uh, I, I think, honestly, like I was saying, you know, you, you go down to even five, six, like get Azur in there and, and get Brandon Miller in there. You know, they're all – really ready to to really compete and, and, and be and be all-star players um but you know superstar leading a franchise um i really like cam Whitmore, which is is definitely striving away from what people think no that's a solid that's a solid like take i'm, I'm i can see I, I like cam Whitmore. i think you know looking at forward i've seen they were between six five and six seven but like a power wing um probably six six right I feel like he's, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. in that range. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the guy, his jump shot, I think, is 
serviceable. I think he can even get better, especially, you know, from three. Um, and he probably can have a little more diversification in terms of his dribble, in terms of offense. But the dude gets to the line. The dude plays with force. You know, he's yep. aggressive. He's a beast down there and defensively has some some skills he can use on that side as well. And, yeah, I, I totally can see that. So I'm, I'm actually glad you brought him up. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. I have some wing kind of slash forward players I want to ask you about and Absolutely. get your preference. So now we have a hint, but that's really cool. Um, <laughs> but I always ask this question just for evaluators and, and folks who are looking at the draft. Um, Kind of what is your personal philosophy of like best player available versus team needs? And I, I ask this specifically and how it applies to specific draft class because you have a team like, let's say the Mavericks, right? They are just trying to res- to come i'm not reserve but to keep to protect their lottery pick right let's say that they get the third pick which is great considering where they could be but also you know they're trying to see who knows what can happen if they get higher but victor scoot off the board now you're looking at a player that potentially let's say in your mind may or may not be the player you're looking for to you know be the perfect piece alongside luca and i guess possibly you know if, whoever they're bringing back, because the Mavericks are a mess. But um, what do you think <laughs> about, again, this this philosophy of that in your own personal stance? And then how do you think it applies for certain teams that I, I think we can kind of go down a few that are kind of in that area but may not want to be in, let's say, four to eight? Right, right. No, I mean, it's going to be an everlasting question um, in draft philosophy, and it's going to change team by team, especially when you have, like, a very apparent team need. Um, but – I'm a big proponent of best player available. I think it, especially in this positionless game, in this mm-hmm. in this game where you see so much roster turnover, um, and you know so much patience on rookies, uh, best player available just makes so much sense. Just knowing someone's going to come in and just produce on an NBA level, um, it just it does so much for you rather than. Um, just taking someone that, like, you know, if you need a shooting guard, a guy that can slot in and take a shooting guard, I, you know, you got to put it in perspective. So, you know, if this is in the first round, you're getting this guy for um, four years on a rookie contract. Uh, third year, you know, if it's going well, third year, you're going to extend him. So you have at least have him for seven or eight years of his career. You know, you, you see guys like Julius Randle who needed a few more years to, to compete. You know, it's clear you have to wait a few years for these prospects to really actually groom into what they are. Um, so, you know, would you rather try and fit someone into a box of one position you need in 2023 um, when there's a good chance you have them until 2030? Or would you rather the guy that, that, that you know, just is the better player? Um, and if he really shows out, you end up turning over your roster to him. And, uh, you know, surrounding it around him. So um, that's how my, I kind of see it. Uh, it's just kind of the thing that, you know, going back to 2021 with the LaMelo ball and, and Wiseman, I was a big proponent that the Warriors should just taken LaMelo there. You know, mm. it just it, – I understand you have a huge, amazing backcourt. I understand Curry, Thompson, but – LaMelo was clearly the best player on the board at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll figure it out. You get the talent and figure it out. Um, you end up then, you know, striving to get James Wiseman and he's off your team in five years because, you know, he can't contain a pick and roll. So, <laughs> yep. you know, so now was that second pick really worth it? What did you like? 
you just wasted your chance with that second round, second pick. So um, I'm a big, big proponent of the best player available, unless there's obviously a team need. But um, I just still don't think that has to do with the draft. I still that I think that has to do with trading and free agency. Rather, I think the draft is 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 where you try and find you know talent in any way possible. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. I actually agree with your example of, of bringing up that, that 2020 class with, you know, Wiseman and, and LaMelo, because I was thinking the same thing at the first. I was like, okay, cool. Like Wiseman, I'm sh- and we, we know this isn't like too quick revisionist history. A couple short years ago, we're all like, okay, they say Wiseman, Wiseman's like a prospect, yada, yada. But like, does he really fit? You know what I mean? Everyone's like offhand. Right. Okay. Anthony Edwards can't work. LaMelo can't work. Even though LaMelo probably, and as you said, would have been, like, the perfect fit for this Warriors team in terms of the offense that they need, because you right now have Jordan Poole kind of playing that backup point guard role, but he's really more of the kind of score. You want to say primary score yeah. off the bench, ancillary score alongside Clay and Steph, who's like a combo guard. Lamella would fit that perfectly. You said yeah. that Wiseman wasn't a fit in, in theory perfectly anyway, and it didn't work out at all in practice. So, yeah, best player available to make that work, but you're right, because overcovered this position, Okay, doesn't mean he has to play at that position. Doesn't mean that he can't be a starter, you know, a, a starter level um, backup player for a couple of years. Like, so much. So I agree with you. That's that's a really yeah. good call. And yeah, especially when this true to form with the recent trade and uh, uh, basically uh, admitting of a miscalculation by the Warriors front office and, and finally trading James Wiseman and looking at the players they have now and they're good. But if they had a Lamella right now, they would be even better. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, like, you know, I think it really just, People don't realize how long you have a player. Uh, you know, that rookie contract is so mm-hmm. valuable. You know, having a guy on a rookie contract and being able to have a lot more cap flexibility uh, is so valuable. But it's even more valuable if that player can come in and produce in any way possible. Um, and so, you know, you have him for at least four years. Like I said, you know, you extend him seven, eight years. What you're going to need later down the road is not what the team needs this specific offseason. You know, you might need a backup shooting guard, but are you going to need that in two years? Are you going to need that in three years? And I don't know. So, uh, you know, it's very hard to say we need to take a backup this or a backup that when, you know, you could just, you know, figure that out in free agency, I'd say. Absolutely. And like you said, it's important, again, that time, Steph Curry just turned 35, going back to that analogy, like, Things might change in two years. So I agree. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. And I'm always going back and forth. In fact, I just did a podcast with my friends, um, Garrett and Josh, and we're talking about like best player available mm-hmm. or fit. And I believe in best player available. And sometimes like, oh, fit too. But like you said, there's one of those things that it's a debate that will continue. And oh, it's kind of interesting. And we always have additional um, exhibits to kind of throw in there. Exhibit B, and it'll be fun. So definitely appreciate yeah. your input on that. But um, I guess I have a question here. I've seen these players mocked anywhere between three and eight all kind of forward wing kind of players in this position, this league that I think will all make a fit, you know, a, a potential, not a potential, but a significant, um, they'll make a significant fit or a significant impact in the first couple of years, for sure, in my opinion. But I, I want to get how you personally rank these players. We already kind of touched on one, but between Cam Whitmore, Brandon Miller, and Jairus Walker. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I try to find all these like, Six, six, yeah. six, nine players all can shoot the three, you know, bring something on the rebounding end, has some defensive attributes as well. Um, and have all been mocked from like three to seven, like all seem to be definitely in the lottery by most boards that I've looked at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would, well, right now I would say I have it exactly how you said it. 
Okay. You know, so Whitmore, Miller, and then Walker. But, you know, you pick three great guys to really figure out. You know, that's six nine, six seven. Athletic, you know, can play multiple levels. That's the guys that are sticking in the league. You know, someone that could play almost, I'd say, two through four. Um, mm. Jarrett's probably, you know, playing the five at times. Um, but, you know, I think just Whitmore's – ability to get a shot um like you know his own shot by also being a, a pest defensively really just puts him ahead for me but i mean like we were talking about brandon miller i mean he has i see a lot of like paul george in him you know a guy that can really just put up 20 really quickly you know you you look up in the the third quarter and you look and he's got 20 on a you know it's six of eight shooting um uh, and i can easily see that uh, you know he's lengthy uh, he's got a huge wingspan. He's showing really good facilitation skills. Um, and then, you know, Jarius, like, we had to deal with him at Tulane. Um, you know, obviously, he's something else. Um, really, really a manimal. Um, you know, you see, you think you get you think you get him off the backside of a pick and roll. You know, you're at the basket, and somehow he's, you know, still with you with his wingspan. Or, um, you know, and he just blocks the, the crap out of it. Uh, you know, he can he can space the floor. Um, but, you know, I think, like I said, it's not a what can Brandon Miller and Jarris Walker do. It's more of what can Whitmore can do to me. Mm, like wow. at this age. Yeah. So like from one to five, six, it's like everyone loves to bash small little tendencies of players when it's like, no, nah, they're going to be amazing. They're going to be great. I just think he's going to be better. So I, I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm hmm. No, and that's really cool because you're not like per se knocking a player in their attributes. It's fine. They're a very good player. They're going to make a fit, like yeah. you said. Jarius, the flexible between the four and the five, being able to shoot three, mid post, all of that. You know, Brandon Miller, again, he I like him in Orlando. I like him in Detroit. Absolutely. Like, you know, a potential fit of a wing who I think can even kind of learn to show some more on ball kind of offensive facilitation skills. Like I think he's flashed some pick and roll play, you know what I mean? And has some good reads and he has this really like one hand sling pass. He likes to throw this really kind of interesting coming off the pick and roll that he also used to like yep. get into his three. But I think there's more uh, room for growth there. But at the same time, what Cam Whitmore provides to me, I think fits right now in terms of getting a team into the bonus early. You know what I mean? Being relentless, Absolutely. being that bowling yeah, ball. That's true. Yeah. I mean, being able to shoot enough to space the full. Exactly. Like these things, you know, make more of an immediate impact right now because you're immediately putting pressure on the defense in a different way and through a level of physicality that I, not that you don't see often in the league, but like you can probably count on your hands, like the amount of players that like kind of fit that mind coming up. I, yeah. I, I'm not saying a Giannis in comparison to that. I actually feel like he's more, and I'm not the only way I'm comparing him in terms of these two players by their play style. And it's even then rarely, but I think of like miles bridges in terms of like when he right. first, you know, what last two years, like, just immediately like that physicality that force and being able to generate those free throws and also being able to shoot the three and not being a liability there as well yeah but i'm cam Whitmore's upside to me is higher he's doing it younger you know what i mean and i think he shoots the ball a little bit better as well um and i also think he has more like dribble moves right now in terms of being able to create his own offense even though that's definitely a skill set that i think he would need to improve on yeah i mean how, how do you have them ranked so i would do kind of the same way and i felt I mean, I go back and forth between Cam Whitmore and Brandon Miller, but I, and I don't yeah. want to judge Brandon Miller off of the 
tournament because you really can't take a whole prospect, mm-hmm. you know, career That's and fair, put down yeah. to eight games. But for me, what it highlighted or his struggles rather, I think that inability to create offense, you know, mm-hmm. um, on his mm-hmm. own is something that you kind of have to have the next level. It's nice if 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 you are just a good standstill knockdown shooter, you know, you can do a little bit off ball. That's great. But if you can create your own offense like that, that puts you in a different tier. Um, I think Cam Whitmore is just held back by the lack of kind of collective shooting uh, point guard play in Villanova. Um, don't think it was very solid yep. for him. Um, not that he was a great passer either. He had some weaknesses, but he had to do so much on a team that was definitely below the level of his abilities collectively. And I look at that differently than I do for Brandon Miller in Alabama, um, where I feel like he was able to slot into a role perfectly. And that's great. There's a spot for that for sure. But there's something to be said for someone who's kind of taking on a higher usage and doing it semi-successfully and seeing where that can grow out. And also I'm just, um, I think Cam Whitmore's offense is, I, I definitely see a higher ceiling to that than Miller's in my mind, at least right now, but also defensively, yeah. I like what Whitmore brings. Like you're not yeah. looking at him as yeah. a total, you know, a total um, liability on that. And either. I think that's important for Jairus. I feel bad because there's not really a reason that I have him there, except that I like right. more, like you said, I like Whitmore and, and yeah, exactly. better. Um, he's a solid player. I think any team that gets him is going to be great. He reminds me, it's kind of funny, but Isaiah Stewart type guy, except yeah, a much yeah. better, more natural shooter from three. Um, I think somebody could be a more consistent uh, defensive player as well. Um, but a good rebounder, like could swing the four, could swing the five, maybe the three. I think he's more of a, a bigger player, not in terms of size and stature, but in terms of the way he plays at his size. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, he has a very safe floor. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting a, a you know, a, like a six, eight, six, nine forward that can really do it all. Uh, might not, you know, in terms of potential or, you know, he might fall to six, seven, but, I mean, you're still getting an unbelievable player. And I think, I think he hit on the nose. I think someone like Brandon Miller is really going to depend on where he goes. Um, you know, I'm really seeing in my head, you know, I know Houston, like Jabari Smith, you know, you start, he started off pretty slow. Um, you know, he was having trouble creating his own shot. And then you see him, you know, how he finishes the year. No one wants to talk about that part, but uh, you know, he finished it just really, really efficiently, really well that, you know, you don't see, you only saw the, the concerns, not, no more of the, the actual, pro, you know, the production that he put. But, um, you know, someone like that, it, it's important where Brandon goes, where the, the, the flexibility, the patience they, they give him. But, you know, if he, if he can come in and, and really, really, you know, just learn and produce, he can be a really, really great player. Like you said, creating his own shot, that, that, that would be such a big, um, advancement for him and I think a lot of people look at the draft just as you know they need to be the best player right now for that team mm-hmm. when in reality it is so much more of can this guy end up being a really important player for us you know mm-hmm. can we surround him with the best development team and get him into the weight room and get him into an NBA routine of, you know, eating well, uh, sleeping well, you know, mobile, you know, getting really, really just good NBA minutes under his belt. Um, you know, I, like I keep going back to him, but like Julius Randle, like he got with the, like he was with the Lakers. Then he ended up signing or signing an offer sheet with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Lakers didn't match it. He goes to the Pelicans, then ends up a free agent. Knicks offer him not very much out of free agency because, you know, he was like, just this is four and turns yeah. into an all NBA guy shooting 40% from three now leading a, a, a six seed 
in the East, you know, um, sometimes these guys need a few years. And I think you have to understand that there's 18, 19 years olds that are going into, like, I look at it like a factory, like they're going to be pushed and, and pulled and, and molded into a player that the, the team wants and um, for good or for bad, but this is not their final form. And, like you know, that. there's so much more ahead, not just what they are right now as a, as a freshman in college. No, I agree with you. Like they're, you look, you look at most players now and what they were back then from Jason Tatum to Zion to any young ish player that you see now, like who they are in the NBA. Like you said, it's different. It, it's a Dragon Ball Z reference in that, you know, that this is, even yeah. like, I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I definitely like that shout out there, but no, I agree with you. I, I have one little, I guess, bonus question. Cause we were talking about it in kind of the flow here, but from these three players, um, what do you think, just in general, is their best team fit? Um, like I know I mentioned I like Brandon Miller in Orlando. I think that'd be a nice fit alongside you yeah. know, Franz Wagner and uh, Apollo Bancaro. But with these three players, like what do you kind of just ideally for your own, what you would look at or just what you think would be a neat fit? Yeah, like just so, you know, I would say like in terms of like where that goes, those guys fit. Yeah, yeah, in your opinion. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Hard. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. sorry. It uh, came up, and I'm like, let me just yeah. ask. But <laughs> No, absolutely. Uh, I'd say, um, you know, Brandon, I think you hit it on the nose. I think somewhere like Orlando, where, you know, you're you're surrounded by a lot of talent, and, you know, it's not really all on your shoulders. They just would rather you come in and learn. Um, I think that's a really, really good spot for Brandon. Cam, I'd say, whew. I'd love to see him go maybe to Charlotte. You know, I think they just need someone that can come in and, and, and just get buckets. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of guys, athletic guys that are just not developing right or, or you know, getting hurt, and they just don't really have an identity. And I think Cam can give that identity. In terms of Jarius, whew, really anywhere in that lottery, I'd say. Um, okay. I think, you know, San Antonio would be interesting. Uh, I think that they got a lot more talent than their record showed this year. Um, you know, someone getting Jairus Walker, just really giving a defensive identity um, to a team that, you know, needs that at that four or five level. Um, but really I could see him producing in any of those places, you know, Detroit getting him some team that like, like someone like Detroit, like, you got a lot of talent. Like that goes back to the team need thing. Like let, let's say, you know, I have a question for you. So let's say okay. Detroit gets the second pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. And mm-hmm. I, I, this is one of the parts where I'll strive away where I'm like, all right, maybe you don't take scoot. You it's know? possible. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm torn because I think on the one hand, it's like, okay, I, if, if I'm Detroit and let's say I get scoot, like I'm thinking three things, right? One, if you don't want to keep, how much value is him i see right now how much value is that pick is that selection right now in the market right see what you can get right. maybe that can vault you quicker to you know playoff contention i know that troy weaver went and like issued an apology to the fans for how bad they played so obviously you know the, the, the stove is on right there's a little heat in the kitchen like it's getting a little hot in the seat so we'll see what happens there so maybe you say okay hey let's see if we can make, you know, several impact players, whatever the case may be in some package where you get Scoot Henderson and boom, like, there you go. The second thing is like, do you, maybe you 
don't take him. Maybe you're like, okay, I like Brandon Miller there, which personally I'm okay, like not doing, but like, if you are really high on Brandon Miller and his shot creation ability and what he can be, you know, as, as that wing that fits in, um, alongside, you know, your Cade Cunningham, your Jaden Ivey, all of those guys, then like, absolutely. Um, or third, like you said, you take him as the best player available. If you think, and I sort of lean this way, that Cade Cunningham is more like a playmaking wing. Um, so then Cade plays the three, but then the problem is between Jaden and Scoot, neither are really great shooters. Like you bring in one of them off the bench. Yeah. You know I mean, like that's a lot going on. And also, even if Cade's a wing, he's more like a Luka Doncic type of wing or, you know, um, Kind of like a Bradley Beal or a guy who, yes, isn't a point guard, but they're going to do a fair uh, bit of handling the ball and doing that facilitation. So, like, Scoot, can you spot up and shoot the corner three? Uh, results are kind of mixed right now, right? That's one of your weaknesses, right? Jaden Ivey, same thing. So, you're right. Like, there's so much avenues there, and I, I know I didn't answer the question. I think I would lean. No, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would lean maybe toward exploring to trade the pick, but even that seems almost crazy, you know, because of how good Scoot is and, and, how maybe listen, Kate's not been available, just injuries, unfortunately. And Jay Nivey is nice, but I, I don't think he's that nice that I don't pick scale school. That's a that's a good yeah. question. I, that's a good one. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a it's a hard thing thought. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you, you you dive you know, you invested in your backcourt in the last few years and now there's an unbelievable player in Scoot that is pretty consensusly, you know, two, but do you take it? You know, he's really just exactly what you've taken in the last two years. So it's a tough one. Um, so that's the big thing is there's so much more in the lottery, you know, you have to see and where, where, where teams uh, end up and, and, you know, things like yeah. that. No, you're right. The discussion, I mean, we probably go another hour of different avenues because it is so interesting and there's so many different ways to go from there. So I agree. A lot of complexity to that for sure. Um, it's funny from an analyst side and a potential agent side, like you're going to see all, or like you see all of that, I'm sure, which is kind of funny. Right, right, exactly. It's like, yeah, no, it's just there's so many more nuances to just the prospect being a prospect. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, looking kind of a little bit past, you know, this initial, you know, six to eight, are there any players that to you seem to be, I wouldn't say overrated, but maybe they're valued higher than you have them personally? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say a lot of people love, um, like someone like Keontae George. Uh, I think he has it. Um, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has it. Like, I, I really, really think he has it. And I think he's going to be an unbelievable offensive player. But you have to understand at that 6'4", six, 6'3", six, spot, how hard it is to really mesh well with the roster right away. Mm. Um, you know, some other guys, like we were talking about, those six, seven, six, eight guys, like being able to have that size that's so NBA ready right away. Uh, so, but someone like Keontae George, you know, 185 pounds, like that's that's small. And you know, can he, you know, create those shots and and use his body like he did at Baylor? Like, will that will he be able to do that against an NBA defense? And um, I see it. Like, I see the offensive potential and like. Absolutely, I would love to be wrong, um, but I just think I'm just definitely concerned about um, you know the next step, how he's going to develop. Because right now, you know what we've seen from from guards like that is uh, in the past few years at that size has been a little underwhelming. I get you. I get you for sure. I think that I like his shot creation ability. I like the fact that I see him in like a role he can be kind of a combo guard 
Um, but unlike another guy who I'm really high on, like a Nick Smith, I like his physical stature a little bit better. You know, ability yeah. to hold up in that way. Um, <clears throat> I think he definitely has um, a lot of growth that needs to happen. And you're right at his size, yeah, to play the role that I envision him in. Yeah, has to be a little bit better. I just feel like he could do it. But then again, I'm, I'm, well, guess what? Last couple weeks of the season, not that this is like, you know, indicative of the entire year, but I was huge on Johnny Davis. And yeah. that did not work yeah. out so well this year. But then the last, like, month, it hasn't looked too bad. Now, is it because the last month or is it because he finally like, caught on and sometimes it takes a longer time for these guards to – Exactly. exactly. Know, I don't know. But, no, I'm with you on that for sure. I'm not going to – I'm going to put a hot take out there. I am not super big. I mean, they're in my lottery, but the Thompson twins. Yeah, I just okay. feel like like I, they bring NBA level athleticism. Absolutely, you know their ability to um, you know impact the game with playmaking around the floor. Amazing. I don't want to say that the the shooting is that big of an issue, but it kind of is for me in terms of like if they come on certain teams right now, um, like unless they have the ball in their hands pretty much all the times like they're going to be an issue and like if you go to Orlando that's not the best fit for me I think the ball should be in the hands primarily of Apollo Bancaro and a Franz Wagner you go to Detroit I still like Caden Jaden over there you go to Houston um at least give me Jalen Green <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> you know I, I don't think he should be a point guard in the first place but like I would still like Jalen Green to have the ball more and be more of that heliocentric offensive player that I think your ceiling can be you know and then if they're not playing off those if they're not primarily handing the ball or at best splitting it what are they doing when they're not you know, when they're playing off ball, it's it, you know, they're shooting, you know, one slightly better. I think it's Asor has been a little bit better than I'm in, yeah. in that respect, yeah. but yeah. like yeah. not by much. And watching some of the overtime league games, like when they're not like the style of play is conducive to how they play. So they have to just hope that they find a team that matches that same style. And there was times when, in my opinion, like teams did not respect their shooting at all. And there were times when it, I just didn't like, they didn't seem like they were making an impact on the court. And yeah, I'm like, if yeah, you're no. not OTE is built kind of around you or for you, what what's happening next level? I think it's one of the hardest evaluations the last few years, getting someone that overtime elite like that, you know, with no prior um, guy that came in that from overtime elite and what he looked like, or, you know, it's just the first year of the, the season. So I think it's a really hard evaluation. Um, I still think that they got a whole lot of potential uh, between them. Uh, like you said, Azur is a, is a little bit of a better shooter. Um, he may be a, a little bit more disciplined defensively. Um, but uh, it kind of just goes back to what I was saying, like just both being six, seven, two hundred pounds. Um, I mean, a team could could figure that out. <laughs> I promise. And you know, they'll, they'll find a way to make him a, an efficient player. Um, and yeah, and I think I would add um, this is definitely lower, like late first round but like Colby someone like Colby Jones from uh Xavier uh I've seen him pretty mocked pretty high I I I just don't think he's very disciplined defensively and I think um you know I don't really see the ceiling very very high for someone like that you know 6-6 mostly plays the three uh someone that you know I definitely have mocked lower than than many I like that. No, I get you. I've seen him mocked in some, um, like you said, in, in that little higher. I'm like, oh, cool. Like he's, you know, you always have a, a late riser, right? I got to have to do some more research on. That's how I call it. And he definitely does seem to be one of those players. But at the same time, like defense is going to be kind of big, especially if your skill set is good offensively, but you are a liability and then the floor, your upset isn't great on that side as well. Like you have to better be a heck of an offensive player to kind of mitigate some of that. Um, 
And I mean, in this day and age, especially with the way that seams are done to like isolate and 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 kind of seek out that defender and you know the pick and roll and it it, it can get real it can get real ugly. So I totally get you yeah. there for sure. Um, looking on uh from kind of the sleepers and kind of go. I mean, looking from the players who maybe a little overranked. Let's kind of go to some sleepers. Do you have any that you're like, you know what? Yeah, like we're not maybe collectively as high on this guy, but in like a year or two, two years time, we are going to be like, okay, this was this was this was a guy that I knew at least was really going to make the impact he's making. I'd say Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas. Uh, I think he he has it. He you know you have to understand his back. You know, being a, in high school five star, uh, having to score thirty points a game. Uh, now going to Arkansas and looking and Nick, you have Nick Smith, you have Ricky Council, you have Anthony Black. Everyone, you know, the, there's only one ball on the court, uh, and Musselman needed him to be a lockdown defender. Uh, and even though he didn't play a lick of defense in high school, uh, he did it. And now everyone touts him as a three and D player. And I think it, it, it screams to the versatility of him as a prospect. Uh, you know, you, you're getting a guy that has a good head on his shoulders and did anything for the team to win uh, is now touted as a defensive minded guy uh, can obviously huge wingspan, great lateral quickness. Um, but, you know, he can also play offensively. And I think it's just, you know, being able to change your identity in the span of five, six months. Uh, it just, it's exactly what a team should want in a prospect. You know, it's mold that you can just, like we were saying, like tug and, 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 pick and, and until he becomes the player that you want and fits your team. Um, so I really, really like Jordan Walsh. Uh, I really p- project him to be a pretty, really impactful player. Uh, the second one, I mean, he's, he's up there, but like Filipowski, I still, I, I think he's going to okay. be really, really, really good. Um, I, I think the defensive minded, you know, uh, I think his defense is high. I think, you know, he can space the floor. Uh, I think he takes efficient shots and he doesn't really try to do too much at the, on, on the offensive end. And I think that's what you need in a big man these days. Someone that can guard the pick and roll efficiently, run with you and fill, fill uh, spaces in the transition and, and be able to finish when he, when he has to. So um, those are two just guys that I feel are just safe development picks. There you go, and I, I like the two-second development too, because I, I think that there's definitely room for uh, Filipowski. Um, wasn't too impressed with him in uh, again, like in the latter half of the year, but as, as in theory, I mean, the guy who can kind of score inside, outside, you know, good rebounder. Like, there's always room for like a stretch five in that way, right? Um, and I like how you brought Jordan Walsh. Like, that was funny to me because I was going to ask you, like, are you higher on his offensive upside than you brought up, like? all that he had done, you know, before going to college. And it felt like it was a reverse to me. Like, I'm very high on his defensive aptitude. And offensive, I'm like, ah, you know, it's it's weird. But I think it's interesting how I did not know his background and to that extent, how you basically take a player who, you know, had clearly defined strengths and, and, and weaknesses and went and kind of, I don't want to say inverted them because apparently, like you said, his offensive game is still there. But he definitely went and said, okay, let me be this defensive first player to fit the needs of this team because we do have, you know, enough offense between Smith and, and Council and to a lesser extent Black that I could just kind of get in there and, and Debo Smith. Like I can just kind of get in there and, and, and fill a role. So, yeah, defensively, I'm very impressed with him. Um, offensively, do you think he can kind of rediscover um, that kind of assertiveness? Because he felt very timid to me at times. Um yeah. Just yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if he has to though. Uh, you know, I think I, I, I bet he could. 
but I don't know if that like I don't think it's there yet for the for the NBA game. I think that he's gonna have to work on it. Uh, but you know, I see someone like Andre Iguodala, someone like you know that's not really the position he's playing on the court, but he does so many intangibles where you need to have him on the court. You know, I remember those final games where they were leaving Iguodala open from three, um, but you know he hit it and it ended up winning Finals MVP. But, you know, just being a guy that could just be a fight, like a utility player that could do everything is is just so imperative. And, you know, so many teams, it's just the NBA is so talented right now. And every team has someone that can go and get 20, 25 points. And uh, I think someone like Jordan Walsh that, you know, maybe doesn't need to do that to actually be efficient or or like, you know, be a productive player is, is important. That's fair. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. You're right. I didn't even thought like, hey, you're not, you're not going to be, like, you don't have to be star offensively. And I get that. But also knowing a role fitting in and being an impact player is very important and will, and will get you paid. Uh, or like you said, finals MVP, shout out to Andre Godala. <laughs> always, I still look back and I don't think we'll regret that selection because he did make an impact in that series. But it's always one that I look and like do a double take. And I shouldn't. I mean, you look yeah. at Andre Godala, like, you know, 18 year vet, you know, all star, you know, primary option for a bunch of teams. But just at that point in time, it was a shock to me, but then again, look at what he did. So I definitely get you there. Um, Aaron, it's been great. I have one last question for you. Um, asking all first time guests of this show, but like this mostly roster, um, roster reconstruction. That's what we look at draft free agency trade. And so I wanted to ask you, you've been following the NBA for years. What is your favorite trade free agency signing or draft pick of all time? Hmm. That's a good one. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know it's interesting. I mean, uh, huh. Can I have two? Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm going to go first one, 2008. You know, I, I, I'm i a Bulls fan. Okay. Getting, you know, 1.8% uh, chance at the first round pick. Ending up getting the hometown kid. Uh, and, then, you know, uh, and he's a pretty cool guy. You mm-hmm. know, I, obviously it maybe didn't work out exactly how, but uh, Derek is, is, is Derek, you know. So I, I'm always going to love that one. Okay. Um, and then you have to you have to remember I'm I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to this stuff. Like, <laughs> I love like, that you're stuff, Like I really am a nerd, and uh, like just roster flexibility and and how it works. So I have to say I love the Halliburton Sabonis trade. Just the mm. the nuances with the like basketball thought, the nuances that comes with it. Mm-hmm. There's just hundreds of hundreds of different pathways to look at it, mm. and. It was just so funny to see people just have a really quick impression of it um, when, you know, it was really a win-win for both teams. And it just, yeah, I don't know, the nuances around the trade, you know, in terms of trading away a prospect to a team that could definitely utilize a prospect to a team that hasn't made the playoffs in eight years that needed to make a push and uh, got the all-NBA player and now is, is the third seed in the West. I don't know. There's things that, you know, I, I feel like I'm always just going back to that trade uh, just to use it as as example or use it as a reason why the Kings are where they are. I, you know, I think it's just a, a really, really good win-win basketball trade for the no, purists. Yeah, no, I agree. I like you said, the nuance in there, the complexity is in there, being able to kind of pick, you can argue for and against for both teams in the long-term direction and the immediate success that both have had, or maybe, you know, the development cycle that Indiana's on and, you know, the fit that Halliburton, I mean, not Halliburton, but Sabonis immediately has right now with Fox and how it's better fit for their timeline or 
would have been better. I, there's so much. I agree with you. Like, yeah. like you said, yeah. it's it's one of those things that if you are that, that cat nerd, that, that you know, aspiring GM, whatever the case may be, that segment of the market, like, you know, that is that, – that stuff – that stuff is what is hype for you. So I'm with you. Absolutely. That. That's Absolutely. cool. I like that you shared those two. I appreciate that. And also I just appreciate being on, man. This was a lot of fun. Anytime. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. This is a blast. I appreciate it. Listen, like I like talking draft with you, but also, you know, with that agent experience that you have and just general NBA knowledge. Yeah. I will have to have you on again, sir. Um Absolutely. Definitely. Thank Absolutely. You for that. Listen, tell the good folks where they can find you and your work and, you know, just things that you'll be up to here as we kind of get into Real draft season now, right? Yeah, I'd say you know my my Twitter is definitely uh, the best place. Uh, I, I you know I add a lot of stuff there, and I, I show my newsletter and everything there. So that's at Pearlstein Aaron. So P E A R L S D I N and then A A R O N. There it is. Perfect. That's right there, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. You take care, my friend. Thank you again. Like I said, we'll be having you on for Absolutely. sure again. Um, listen, y'all, for roster reconstruction folks, and my Rambo Rambo guys. And guys, we appreciate y'all. Um, definitely make sure to check out this podcast. Stay up to date with that. We we'll have a whole lot of draft stuff coming out. Um, just really trying to get in on this. Uh, and then also we'll do some offseason previews for some of these teams that are eliminated as we kind of look forward um, into whatever they're looking at the next couple of months. But definitely stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a very busy couple of months, but an exciting few as well. So uh, we're all set here for Aaron, for myself. We are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.